the Spirit of God is referred to with she. So I'm going to kind of mix it up a wee bit and use he and she because God isn't a man. He's a mix. He's, we were made in his image, male and female. Is that all right? So you've got your health warning. If you don't like it, you can come talk to me afterwards. All right? Oh. So recently, um, I had a chance to look at an exhibit of photographs by a lady called Jo Osgar, and she works for Scottish Women's Aid. And she was trying to um, portray just images from the women's lives, and under each image there was a segment of their story, and the images were really powerful. They were powerful because they were really true. It actually happened, and it was because it was their lived experience, and I just really enjoyed looking at them all. If you want to go online and have a look, it's www.recountingwomen.org. I'm going to put up some photographs and just let you have a look. So just pause on the photographs for like a few seconds, Chris. There's only three. The images are quite powerful, I think, especially when you read the stories that are attached to them. These women have experienced horrendous abuse, and it was their way of taking their voice and explaining and getting people to listen. And in a way, it demands that we kind of open up and listen to their story and their experience. And I was looking at them, I was starting to wonder, you know, okay, so that is an aspect of that woman's life, and yet what about all the other aspects of their life that we don't get to see? For example, what about all the desires that these women have? Maybe dreams for their children, dreams for their future. What about the laughter they have watching a child achieve a first milestone? What about the confidence battles that they've got now? What about the friends that encouraged them to seek help? What about the women they were before they experienced this abuse? And what about the women that they are now, now they are free from it? So in somehow, the images were really true. And yet, in other senses, they weren't the whole truth, were they? They were just a static image in time of that woman's experience, not the whole person just a snapshot of them. Now, I'm wondering, have you ever had to change your mind about a person because of an experience that you had with them? Maybe you had quite a negative image of them and then they did something and it shocked you, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe you had quite a positive impression of this person and then they did something and it changed your perception. Have you had an experience like that? Hopefully we've all had to change our mind about people that we've met. Sometimes we get an image in our head, a snapshot of that person. And then, and this is particularly true when somebody's treated us unkindly. And then we might use all future interactions with that person as evidence to convince us that we're right. Yes, they are a selfish git, or they are hard work, or they're needy. Have you ever done that? Yeah, truth hurts, eh? We've all done it. And as we know, that's actually objectifying that person. It's creating a static image in our mind. And you know why we do that? We do that as a way of disconnecting from them. We think we've got them sorted, and we no longer want to disprove 
that image that we've got of them. It pulls us back from interacting. If we moved forward in forgiveness, we could change our minds about that person perhaps and discover that underneath maybe lots of layers, there's some gold in that person that God created, hidden like layers in an onion. This is also true in a more positive sense as well. Sometimes we get quite a positive image of someone in our minds. Maybe you could have a wee think for a minute of somebody that you've got quite a positive image of. Maybe you've got an image of somebody who's always smiling, joyful Susan, she's always happy. Or what about preacher Jim? What a strong faith he's got. I am so envious of his faith, it's unshakable. What about Cashline Dad? <laughs> Does anyone, have you had one of them? All right, Dad, happy Father's Day. <laughs> Most teenagers have to have one of them, don't they? What about washing machine mum? I remember my mum used to shout, I am not a washing machine. Sometimes when you get treated like an object, you feel like that's all you ever are to that person. I'm just a washing machine. I'm just a cash line. Or what about if somebody's got a joyful image of you? Where do I go if I need to be sad when people can only see me in that way? Or if I've got a really strong faith, where do I go so that somebody can listen to me doubt? We're not objects, are we? No. <laughs> We're subjects. And we don't like to be treated any differently to that. Now, there was this dude called Martin Buber, who I've read about. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I hope I am. He was a 20th century Jewish philosopher. Here's a wee picture of him. There he is. And he wrote about how we relate to people as objects. And he said that any relationship that treats a person like an object is an I-it relationship. And nobody wants to be in a friendship or in a family where they're treated like that. Everybody wants to be in, in an I-you relationship where we're seen as equals, where there's this back and forth of relating, where we're always moving towards intimacy, moving towards true connection. And it's in those relationships that God is most present. And he writes up there, when two people can relate together authentically and humanly, God is the electricity that surges between them. I love that. I'm sure we all have friends where we feel that energy when we're really in and happy to be in that other person's company. Maybe we have it with our children, hopefully we have it with our spouse. It feels good to relate to like that. People are not objects. If we think like that, the extremes of that is people trafficking, or maybe a more moderate expression of that might be a parent trying to push their dreams onto their children. We're all individuals, unique, intrinsically valuable, because we just are. We're just here. Now, as humans, hopefully, we've got infinite depth inside us, like the layers in an onion. Endless perspectives and opinions, we're always changing, we're always growing. I'm not the same Sarah that I was last year. Thank goodness. I'm not going to be the same Sarah as I am now. Next year, we're not a static image. We're a person living in motion and changing. And we're way more that we can produce 
We're way more than what we acquire. We're intrinsically valuable. And all of us are longing for friendships from people who can see that in us, who are expecting us to change, who are expecting us to be different. So if they've got an image of us in their head, they want to move beyond that and see the gold underneath us. We want to be known in the complexity of our human stories. And I think God is the same as us. He made us, we're made in his image. He's looking for people who want to meet her relationship to subject to subject, person to person. And somehow God is sort of unchanging in essence, and yet also there is a depth that we can't see in the now, and we need to keep moving forward and making room for God to be more, peeling back the onion or opening our horizons to see God is so much bigger than we ever thought. Now, our bad habits of relating to people um, by objectifying them, we all do it, we also take into our relationship with God. Now, you might have a dominant image of God in your mind. I don't know if you do. I'm not very good at picturing things, but you might have, when you, when you pray, you might have a dominant image. Or you might have a group of images or ideas about God. And that actually shapes how you relate to God. Okay? So I've brought along a few silly objects to explain some of mine. And you probably share them with me. Right. Has anybody ever used God like a vending machine? Right. I've got a penny in here. I did have a penny in here. Oh, here it is. Okay. So this is what this relationship sounds like. Dear God, I'm in this situation and I really need this. Now, if I do this for you, I would really like it if you would show up and do that for me because I really need that. All right? Amen. So you take what you think is your good, you give it to God, and you're hoping that just like Cash Line Dad, he's going to deliver the goods. Has anybody ever prayed to God like that? <laughs> well, what about medicine, God? Oh, but medicine, God. It goes something like this. Dear God, I know we haven't spoken like maybe more than a year, but I am really ill now. And I just need you to come through for me. I need you to heal me. Amen. Anybody ever done that? You talk to God just because you want to be well? Or what about rule book God? God's got a rule book, apparently. And um, it says who he's for and who he's against. And I can use the Bible to prove that I'm better than that person because God is against them. Rule book God. That's pretty sad as well. What about man God? Now, this was on the toilets in my work. We all use these toilets, but it had a man logo, so we've recently bought a male and female one. Um, God is a man. God's not a man. What about a guy in a throne who's sometimes happy and sometimes not happy and I've got to do some, something good to make him pleased with me? That's not an image of God that is true to his character either. Theologically, God is much more like some sort of endless, invisible source, a fountain of love. 
that's always flowing and giving in relationship between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And I know that's Catholic, but it's really important. It's a relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're invited into this Holy Communion, this connection, this relationship. And all these images that people have of God create a people of God that are not changing their ideas about God. We need to begin to stop all the false relating with God and come into relationship with God and hear what God is like in the now. We've got to relate subject to subject, I, you, not for what we can get. So connecting to God is all about connecting subject to subject. Let me get Chris to change the slide. Do you like the picture? God's always got so much more to show us. He's some sort of immortal diamond that we're continually turning and looking at. He's got countless different facets to his face, to his character. And we can only know these facets as we relate person to person with God, spirit to spirit. And it's only when we're relating like that, we're able to let go of all these static images that we've got of God that we've dragged up from our past or somebody's given to us. And each person here, each one of you, is gonna see a different side to that diamond because we're all different and we all have different experiences and God is gonna meet us in very unique ways and reveal who he is. It's a continual knowing of infinite depth. Have you noticed that when you've got a friend and you show them an aspect of yourself that you've never shown them before, they think, oh, they're like that. Maybe I could tell a wee bit about me. So they might show an aspect of themselves that they've never seen before. And in that way, there's this continual relating and growing towards. It's a growing, evolving thing. And that's what our relationship with God needs to be like. It's some sort of relational energy that pulls people toward each other. And as we do that, we're moving in the spirit of God, which is all about connection. And Alistair spoke a bit about that last week. Love is moving towards the other. And when we move beyond knowing God in these transactional, objecty kind of ways, we finally meet God as the person that he is and see beyond every false and insufficient image that we have of her. Now, in our reading this morning in Proverbs, we see that the Spirit of God is made known to us with the name wisdom and the pronoun she. Do you find that difficult? I confess, I find it quite difficult to use the pronoun she. Now, in the Genesis poem, God said that he made humans in his likeness Male and female, he created them. Therefore, we must conclude that if we only ever relate to God in the masculine, we're missing a whole massive aspect of God's character. We're missing the wholeness of him as a person, or her as a person. It's really difficult. It seems that God in Proverbs is wisdom and it's crying out aloud in the streets. I love that bit in the passage. It's loud. Sometimes we think God's wisdom is kind of scarce and ooh, need to pray for weeks to get the answer to that problem. But God's wisdom is loud. It's, in, it's crying out to us. 
And she says to us in verses, chapter 8, verses 32 to 36, for everyone who listens to me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. Notice it's not God that's sad. It's us that are sad when we don't take time to listen, when we don't take time to hear what the person God wants to show us in this moment. In other words, the wisdom literature is saying that a huge part of being human and living wisely on earth is to be able to listen to the Spirit of God. And when we don't, it's us that are missing out. We're choosing to keep our old, former images of God that we've gathered up, and we're refusing to see the new now that he wants to show us. And this is just my personal opinion, all right? But Christian discipleship have made a big mistake, I think, in the past, where they've been so concerned about filling people's head with knowledge about God and not been modeling how to sit in God's presence. And it's not always been like that. There's been people in the Christian church centuries gone by who have modeled how to sit in God's presence and communicate with God person to person in the silence and to be present. I think it'd be great if we could move towards that way of worshiping God more often rather than trying to fill our heads with facts about him. Because you can't know God like you know anything else. You just can't. Now, this is a quote from Richard Rohr. You can only know God or the soul of anything subject to subject, center to center by a process of mirroring where like knows like and love knows love. Beautiful. There's a divine spirit in all of us that seeks and yearns to respond to the mystery of God. Now, I'm just going to move on to talk about how we connect God in the now. Okay, so the Spirit of God always wants to speak to us in the now moments of our life. He doesn't offer us a facet of that diamond or all of the facets of the diamond on an anytime basis. Well, why? Because we couldn't cope. We couldn't cope with the immensity of who God actually is. Quite often, we're not able to see one of the sides of God in that diamond until we've got the particular circumstances in our life that open us up to this new vision of God. And often, unfortunately, those times are times that are hard, where we're suffering, and the suffering opens us up to see the now moment that we have to see because the former image that we had of God is not good enough. In my pain, I need a new vision of who God is. And God doesn't give me a blanket image that covers all the complexity of my life. She sits with me in my pain. And through her, I see another part of the immortal diamond. And she gives me wisdom for the next right step. Not the next 20 steps, but the now step, the now step when we sit in God's presence, we know what to do. In John 16, verse 12, it says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You can't. Jesus knew that. 
can't grow all at once in the knowledge of God. We must see every facet of the diamond one step at a time. So we're always going to know God in the motion of our lives rather in static images. And just at the right time, when you've got no idea what to do, you're going to see a new face of God and you're going to know how to move forward. And lastly, I just want to say that the Spirit of God is heart, is the heart of God we're connecting to. When we're moving in the Spirit, we're connecting right into the heart of God. Now, Jesus was especially keen that we understand that everything the Spirit makes known to us is from the very centre of who God is. Jesus was saying, you know, everything I'm saying, it comes right from the Father, through the Spirit. It's all connected And to lean into an experience of sitting in the presence of God is not to start going all charismatic or Pentecostal. Sitting in the presence of God and leaning into this experiential way of knowing God is entering the very heart of God. The Spirit is not some sort of separate aspect of God's character that we need to grow into. It is the very essence of God's character. It's learning how to be present to the presence of the one who has always been present. We're going to learn how to be present in the presence of the person who has always been present. She is the energy in which we exist in relationship to heart and love. She is the relational energy and connection between every human person. She is the energy and relationship of all things in creation. She is the animating energy holding all things together. That's why when you're outside this building and you're in nature, you're going to feel so much closer to her, the spirit. Her presence is immediately all around you. And that's why you feel alive and connected in your body and everything around you just feels right when you see your beautiful sunset or you examine the blade of grass or you hear the lapping of the ocean on a quiet shore. The spirit is the animating force of all life and energy, drawing all things together in love. And it is in that loving connection that we can know, experientially know, God. Let me finish. The Spirit of God is the force. Star Wars. (laughs) Or is it Star Trek? Star Wars. The Spirit of God is the force. It's the force that is going to put an end to all the static images that you've built up of God and is going to enable you to relate to God. It is the force that is going to enable you to see God in the now moment of your life. Just that very facet of the diamond that you need. It's the force that is connecting you into the heart of God. And it's the force that is present all around us. Amen.